0: carve out a couple of seconds while you sat in traffic before the podcast just to remind you that third degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer90.com check out all of the fifa world cup new arrivals including the u.s men's national team jerseys tees and scarves in addition to that yank stuff soccer90 has the new france and brazil shirts most importantly that gorgeous red away england shirt so shop soccernoite.com today, and as listeners to this podcast, you get twenty percent off your purchase when you use the code third degree at checkout. Don't write that down, keep your eyes on the road, your ears on the podcast. Remember, some exclusions may apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious Fan.
1: Welcome to episode number 180, 180 of Third Degree the Podcast. Hi, it's me, Pitois. And uh, yes, he is here. Attention listeners, Dan Crook is here. Howdy, Dan.
0: Hi, I like, I like Pitois. It gives you like a, a little French kick, like, <laughs> oh, oh <and> Pitois. <laughs> what if I did the whole show as French Pitois? <laughs> ah, Lionel Messi fucked up
1: again. <laughs> <And it's... laughs> That's the extent of my uh, French person impersonation, by the way. Uh, yeah. And if I was, it would be French Pierre, would it not?
0: Uh, it would be I Surrender.
1: Okay. Uh, and your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder, third net, the good Buzz Carrot, come in, Buzz.
2: Uh, hi, Peter. I'm still flabbergasted that Dan made a surrender joke with the French.
1: <laughs> <laughs> at the top of the why, show. Why
0: not? We 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 have over a thousand years of history with them.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so I know that probably the majority of anybody coming to the pod for this particular episode is highly anticipating the meat of what has been discussed in the last several days, which was the parting of ways uh, of North Texas Soccer Club with Pa Madu Ka. And Buzz has, on at least on his Discord, has hinted that he has uh, some insight and that he's not surprised by this in the least and I think has some uh, some stories to tell. So we're going to make you wait because oh. who doesn't want to talk about mm. Rapids 1, Good Guys 0?
2: yeah, that was an abysmal performance, uh, not what you were looking for. Granted, they have a pretty good home record, uh, and Dallas has a very bad record. There. They didn't
1: clearly listen to the previous episode yeah. where we spent a few minutes talking about momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah, did uh, they?
2: No, and I have a it was in my th- uh, three things, a pretty hot take about that lineup that made me I'm not gonna say mad, but I thought you just threw the game away. Um, which we can do when we break down the, the eleven here in a second. And but I just want to say overall that that was not the result you're looking for when you're two games from the playoffs. Forget about the wrapping up the home field advantage thing. It's just like you want to be on a roll, and that and even score line aside, what happened in that game and the mentality of that game, it's not what you wanted. Uh, and specifically in the post game presser, um, for the part that I could understand in English coach talked about mentality and he talked about a lack of ruthlessness. And I'm going to explain in a minute why that's his fault. So that's my hot take on that game.
1: Dan, I would love to hear your thoughts and recapping of said loss.
0: It was crap. Um, It was, it just looked awful. Um, Jesus nullified by not having his, Two attacking partners around him just dire struggling with uh, Michael Barrios constantly Nanu's defending on the goal it was it was everything that uh, it was everything that you wished to get away from this season.
1: Um, I, yeah. And again, this is all about momentum going into the playoffs, at least in terms of my very ancient long-term uh, experience of, of this is that teams that have some sort of form and this certainly wasn't the way to do it. And so buzz, I do think it all goes back to the coach making a decision on who to start and who to play. Yep. Um, and that's where it kind of starts and ends, doesn't it?
2: It is for sure. Now he had his hands coughed a certain way because of Ariel Uh, red card, and because of Velasco's injury. So he had some limitations there. He wanted to work hedges back in. That's totally understandable, as he should want to do. That's fine. But then he made some rotational decisions. Uh, And when you make rotational decisions, you say to your team that this game's not quite as important or this opponent's not quite as good. When you're two games from the playoffs, those rotational decisions affect your mentality. Now, we've talked a lot about how this team on the road has a a passive defensive mentality of killing the game for about 60 minutes. And then they make some moves and they go for it in the later stages of the game. But we've also talked about how you can be defensive and still be on the front foot and still be a progressive in your mentality. And when you change out a couple of players, notably rotating out, Tuomasi for Nanu, notably rotating out Edwin Surreal for Facundo Kinon. Edwin is the for sure starter at this point. And on the for the most part, the major one was starting Khalil El-Makura at left wing. Now Khalil's a young player. He's a young guy who is, you hope, developing. But to this point in the season, he's played, you know, 80 minutes total over the course of like three or four games in like 10 minute spurts. He is not a frontline contributor to this team the easy and obvious best way to win that game as demonstrated by the change they made in the 60th minute is to start Leggett on the wing <clears throat> excuse me you bring in brandon servania to play in midfield with paxton something you did most of the year and you move Leggett to wing where he played most of the year for new england and he's a very capable player to play out there then you still can play your 60-minute defensive and still go for it. But you've indicated to your team, if I'm putting out the best lineup to win this game, by rotating and playing someone who's never been in there at all, basically, you indicate to your team, this one's not very important. And that was the difference. The coach talked about how, in the post-game press conference, he talked about ruthlessness, he talked about having the right mentality, how this is going to be like a playoff game where the chances are going to be limited and you have to take them when they come. And they didn't do those things. And for me, and I, I rarely say this. For me, this is a hundred percent a choice of the of the formation. The choice, not the formation. Excuse me. The choice of the starting eleven signaled to the team, perhaps unintentionally, not a big deal. And they lifted the pedal just enough to not win the game. And that's that was it. That was the decider.
1: So does this concern you about Nico as a as a as the coach of this team? I know that's kind of maybe a much too large a question, but you get where I'm coming from. No is that just inexperience, maybe think, not understanding the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I think it's a little inexperienced. You know, he's not really been a head coach very much, other than, you know, a reserve team in sp- back way back in Spain. He's mostly been an assistant. So he also is still learning his team. He's still learning uh, you know, in, in one season, you know, learning what these guys are like, how they react, how to push buttons. You know, I think it's just a, a one game mistake, a one game mentality, probably hoping that he had other guys that he could rely on. You know, maybe he talks himself into Nanu sort of as a last, okay, the season's winding down. But can I get anything out of this guy? Maybe uh, Edwin's been busting it lately. Maybe I'll give him a little, re- I'm sure he had thought processes behind all of it, mm-hmm. but when you combine it all together, Um, it makes the game makes the team just have that missing little bit, that little extra. And I think you could see it most obviously actually in Jesus who in this game in particular is feeling so much pressure because his, as, as Dan mentioned, Ariel and Velasco are both missing, both, excuse me, both missing. So he's feeling added pressure and he's just the tiniest bit off. He's hitting the post instead of finishing he's flubbing a touch so it bounces away a foot and a half and he doesn't get a shot off. There's another one where it gets caught underneath him. You know, three or four of those moments where all season long he's been burying those things, he instead mm-hmm. muffs. Now, he would probably tell you that it wasn't that, but when you have when you have something like this with the lineup in my opinion happen and then you get the performance you get, I think there's a direct correlation there.
1: I wonder, do you guys have any opinion? We talk about, you know, having a good run of form or being hot going into the playoffs. How far back do you think? I'm sitting here looking at the form table and I'm just wondering how many games back? Is it like the last game you played? Is it the last 10 games you played?
2: Uh, I'd be interested to hear Dan take, but I'll say it's about three or four. You want to be, you know, at a pretty comfortable groove over about a month uh, of play, which is what four games is.
1: Okay, so uh, before Dan answers, and Dan, I'm going to say this because I think this will help you form your answer, which is: so is it? Do we feel like you just have a have a, a positive, like two of the four wins, or does it need to be three of the four or all four? Like, what, like what would be considered a hot, a really good run of form going into the playoffs?
0: I don't even think wins come into it to a degree. I think just positive performances. Um, you, you know, you want to at least string together two or three just so that, you know, everything's flowing right. I know the, the, the adage is you're only as good as your last game, but um, actually a perfect example. Um, hmm. At Luton, uh, Elijah had a bio, uh, the, the striker that was linked with Newcastle. He... Um, he hadn't scored yet all season. 11 games, no goals. Um, he hit the crossbar against Hull uh, last weekend and the defender turned it in and he finally kind of got that little bit of that little bit of momentum. But then today he scores two goals and he's like, okay, great. No more sl-. after that. After hitting the crossbar, I had no sleepless nights, no nothing. It wasn't weighing in my mind. I kind of knew things were getting back to normal. That's, re- that's all it took. Um, you know, it could be a case of... They just need to blow it out against uh, SKC, and they're all good to go. But you would definitely like to see two or three good games for 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 those players that are maybe a little bit more delicate in their confidence. Okay, yeah, I That's think a- I think it's a lot, as Dan said, about how you feel about yourself. You know,
2: like Dallas is a pretty good team, so they're going to look at this Colorado game and like. Oh man, we let that slip away. So it's more frustration in in that moment rather than like, oh my god, we're bad. Hmm. You know, it'll depend on who your opponents are. Depends on like, you could consider a tie against LAFC on the road. You'd feel really good about that, right? So it just depends on who you're doing, and and you want to feel like we're we can play the way we want to play. We can get a goal when we need one. We're not making dumb mistakes. Those are the kinds of things that you want. It doesn't have to be for wins. You know, Mm -hmm. it just needs to be. Positivity, a role playing the way we want to play, getting the, the goals when we need them, you know, not not making dumb mistakes, not giving up dumb fouls, not, not getting hurt, you know, not getting making poor decisions. All that goes into feeling good about yourself as you roll into the playoffs.
1: It's interesting because if I look at the form guide, uh, I, and I think I'm doing this because I want to I feel good about going into the playoffs, there really aren't a lot of the 14 teams that are looking good at this particular moment. LAFC is on a two-game run, so everybody's got one game left at this point. We're, we're recording this after uh, the last set of games just happened on Wednesday night. Uh, the marvelous purple and pink of uh, Orlando and Miami was uh, great to look at. But uh, LAFC is on a two-game run. Uh, Phillies not won in their last two so they they won't be in any kind of form Montreal is one of the top teams they've, they're they're on a three-game winning streak and they play Miami next uh Port uh, excuse me Austin uh, they haven't won a game since their 3-0 win against RSL and that's the only game they've won in Dating all the way back to their win over LAFC way back, which feels like a million years ago. NYCFC are on a two-game streak, so that's okay. Red Bull, two losses in a row. Dallas hasn't won a game except for their two-game streak in a bit. So the one team that is another one to look out for, Miami, won again tonight. Um, I'm sorry, am I looking at this right now? That's – no, no, who is this? Miami won tonight. Yeah, but I'm looking at – this is – yeah, this is Miami. Yeah, so – uh, Miami is on another is on a streak here and so uh, they they're looking good man so things are turning up and then and, and then I guess if, if we feel like who's Dallas likely to play is it Portland
2: right now it's Portland but obviously things could shift with the last
1: So Portland's last games against RSL and they haven't, and they're on a a tie and a loss and four game win streak prior to that. So I don't know if this makes any sense. It probably, this is probably not good podcasting, but you (laughs) get my, you you get my point, which is um, there's very few teams running into this particular MLS playoffs uh, looking like they're in great form. Yeah.
2: Well, the Portland RSL game got flexed to like to be the big decision day game because those two teams are two points apart. So, winners in, losers out, probably, depending on what Minnesota mm-hmm. does. But those guys are basically going head to head for a spot. And, you know, that six, whoever ends up six versus seven is whoever faces Dallas. You know, six versus three is who you're going to get. Um, you know, Portland, Minnesota, Salt Lake, Vancouver are all alive for two spots, four teams for two spots. Um, in terms of being hot, LA FC stumbled bad like a month ago, but they've kind of pulled it out a little bit. Philly was hotter than hot. And then has a tiny little, you know, blurp here right at the end. But again, it'll depend on who they played. And part of the problem was that they got absolutely wrecked by Charlotte. So, like, as good as they have felt, they probably overlooked Charlotte and then got spanked for it without Mm -hmm. having watched that game. Yeah, You know, that's they're probably really kicking themselves about that one because that'll really wreck your day when somebody that is bad as, Now, Charlotte has gotten good of late, but they still have a terrible record, you know, compared to Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is going to be really upset with themselves, especially if they pull the next one too and they lose two straight going in. They're going to be really feeling bad about themselves. But you're right, Montreal's hot. And I think LAFC has rebounded enough after their stumbles that they kind of righted the ship. So I think they're probably going to be back to... Um, feeling better. Uh, L.A. Austin is the one who really is probably feeling it, not feeling good about themselves at all.
1: Yeah. Well, that's interesting because uh, the irony of all of this is that as Dallas goes into decision day for their 4 p.m. game on Sunday – at home against Kansas City. They're facing a team way down on this table, but are on a 3-game winning streak. Now, what's really interesting and see and and I have to assume Kansas City's kicking themselves in the ass because the schedule really favored them. They oh, had a 3-game yeah. homestand to essentially end the season, which they won out, but they were so far they had blown so much of the season prior to that 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 ended up being a schedule advantage that was handed to them that was worthless by the time they got to it.
2: Well, that, they've actually uh, go back like eight games without losing. They've won five and tied three of their last eight. But if you look at their, their last loss was against Austin way back in yeah, August. Yeah, that's but right. Look at yeah. who they played, though. Uh, Portland's decent, but San Jose's terrible. L.A. is decent. Houston, bad. D.C., bad. Minnesota's cratering fast. Seattle's yeah. missed the playoffs for some forever. So it's like, yes, sporting is doing good here at the end of the season. Ramiz is a solid coach, man, as much as he's annoying. He's a solid coach. He's getting it. He's figuring out how to get some results against admittedly not great teams, but talk about a team compared to, that to how de- the schedule Dallas had, that was just brutal all season. And then Kansas city gets this walk in and then didn't get enough out of it. To take advantage of it. They were so far in the hole that they couldn't recover, but um, you know, they they've climbed off the very basement. Kansas city has at least, but uh, unfortunately like for Dallas, they're facing a team that is figuring it out at the end. But again, life on the road, Right. You know, coming to Dallas is not easy. Uh, sporting only has two wins on the road, so this is again. If you think you're good, this is a team that a team that you should beat in your home. This shouldn't be a question. This game. That doesn't mean that you can't have that mentality, though. You got it. Well, in the post game press conference, again, coach said we've got to get our mentality right for this last game. We got to take care of business ourselves and lock up this home field and do it ourselves on our home field. Uh, And we got to be ruthless, and so yeah, yeah, he's right. You got to be ruthless. You can't be bringing these soft plays because we're in and running these soft lineups out there, man. Be ruthless. You got to be ruthless.
1: Well, and just to drive that point home, Buzz, uh, Kansas City has been crap on the road, even by uh, league standards. They're two nine and five, two wins only. They've (laughs) only won twice. They've tied five on the road and uh, lost nine times. So. Uh, Dan, you're going to guarantee an FC Dallas win to finish out the regular season, right?
0: I mean, you'd hope so, but uh, let's not, not be Dan, crazy. Come on, man, <laughs> that's just like so
1: vague of you and just wishy-washy. Can't we get some sort of you know positive positivity out of you?
0: But we 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 just witnessed a, a really shit game on the road, and the first thing the coach said afterwards was, "We had chances to not lose the game." <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's why he said that. <laughs> Like, yeah. he's looking that's, a, at it as, that's a language barrier hey, thing but We just yeah. need one point That's all we need I hope he doesn't do that again I hope he goes, okay, now we need performances
1: um, Alright, well, uh, so Buzz b- Before we get into the, the Pod Dumitka
0: what was your joke off before the pom Meet duca?
1: Pom Meet duca, of the podcast that everybody really cares about, Buzz. Uh, any predictions for the starting lineup? Are we going to get our full... Is Velasco going to play?
2: Well, he trained. Um, he, he and uh, Velasco and Nasebeling, Frank O'Hara, are all back from injury training. is um, the only guy missing still. Pearl Ariel is back from red card. So you're going to have... Basically your full contingent. Um I really hope he doesn't rotate to try and be fresh. I mean, that that's ridiculous. You need to annihilate this team and feel good about yourself again. Um I would not start uh Velasco myself because <sighs> you are talking about a thigh leg thing. Yeah. So I would Don't you let want him to get a
1: little bit of time under his I feet do. and level. I want him get- to play. I want him okay. to play. I just you don't want him to start. Him.
2: start. Okay. I would go ahead and because Obreon is at least somewhat capable, and if you bring back uh, Ariola with Obreon, that and you have Legette and you have Cirillo and you have Paxton, that's plenty good. That's close enough to your starting eleven because that's a guy who does occasionally start when there's internationals or whatever. It's a guy that does start when somebody gets banged up. So that's a front line player. That's different than putting in rotations. You know, Farfan Martinez hedges to Amasi. Pause. Like starting eleven is completely obvious now at this point in the season. Everybody knows in the stands. Everybody knows on the field who it is. So Velasco coming off injury, that's fine. He can stay on. The, he can come off the bench. But otherwise, you better bring the heat and you better take care of business. And that's all you need to know about that game.
1: They just need one point, right, to solidify third place. Is that correct?
2: Uh, Should we do no. scenarios? Fourth. Yeah, they one point gets them home field, which is anywhere in the top four. Okay. Know? Obviously you would like to be the higher the better, because you don't want LAF Galaxy or Nashville. <laughs> You'd rather have one of these teams that barely made it in, like a Portland or a Salt Lake or something, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Actually, wait, no, uh one point guarantees stud Oh, does it? That's exciting. I That's thought what it was I just thought. a home yeah. field. Yeah. So okay. right now, um if they lose they can finish fifth. They can also finish fourth, depending on if both. Yeah, because LA has would have the tiebreaker on wins. they would catch up to fifty points with fourteen wins. To Dallas is thirteen. If Nashville do it, they'll tie thirteen wins, but they'll have goal difference.
1: Yeah, and what's not working in Dallas's favor is that the Galaxy get to have to travel to Houston, which you know. Um, do they even have to go and um uh and nashville has to go to lafc but lafc's already wrapped everything up
2: well houston just beat nashville i mean you know well and before that they beat new england they did lose to lafc pretty soundly i mean you know when you have a team like houston who's fired their coach and everyone's playing for jobs and they're talking about how they're going to get rid of like half their players i mean those guys are fighting for their lives so you never know what you're going to get you know Hector Herrera might play, I guess, versus Chicharito. That's kind of fun, you know. I, I'm just saying, Houston is not a rollover game like you might expect. Okay, you know, um, they are not very good, but
1: hey.
2: since since they've changed coaches, I think they're they've only lost uh, one game. I think.
1: Since the theme of this has been, how about we go into the playoffs feeling good about ourselves, and maybe the only way you do that is by getting a win over a team that didn't qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, uh, Maybe you just get that done, and you don't have to worry yeah. about what everybody else does.
2: No, that's that's the mentality yeah. that they got to have, and that's what Coach said.
1: Good. I'm glad to hear he said that. Hey, a side note. I don't know if you guys saw the article that the uh, good Joe Lowry wrote this week on his backfield site about uh, slowest players in the league. Have you seen this? Uh. Uh-uh. So there's, I guess, somewhere in the stat stuff that he has access to. There's actually a uh, a statistic about how top speed, uh, and so he wrote up an article saying who the slowest player across the league was by uh, position. And I thought, oh yeah, it's a shoe in. It's absolutely a shoe in. There's no way Frank O'Hara isn't the slowest striker in Major League Soccer, and I'll be damned if he's not. Guess, don't Buzz. Are you looking at this? Are you looking this up?
2: No, no, I'm listening don't, to your story. I'm, I'm don't in, look. Dan, don't do
1: you, you look, do you know this? Have you already? No. Are you? Dan, are you lying? Are you looking at it?
0: No, I'm looking at the table.
1: Okay, because I'm going to ask, who do you think the slowest striker in Major League Soccer is?
0: Well, I would have assumed it was
2: Hara or maybe Higuain, but that would be my only really Well, okay. Those yeah. are the two that even he
1: said he thought it would be. Dan, do you have yeah. a guess as to who the slow? It's not either one of those guys. Who do you think the slowest striker, at least according to the stats, are in Major League Soccer? I have no idea.
0: Those, those are the two that would make sense.
1: This blew me away. According to the stats, it's Freddy Montero of the Sounders.
2: Uh, oh, yeah. He did have a pretty big injury a couple of years ago. I can buy that. There's, I, I'm surprised by that, but yeah,
1: there's, there's no way if you line up Iguain, Hara, and Montero in a foot race that Montero <laughs> loses that to those two old buses.
2: Maybe he never really sprints in the game. Maybe he just jogs all the time.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, good. He just be. hops around on his one functional leg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is pretty gimpy these days. I will right, we'll give him that. Maybe
1: I haven't watched him closely enough. Maybe I'm thinking of old Freddie Montero. But yeah. the fact that you could age out and slow down that fast—because he, how old is he compared to those two guys? Is Freddie Montero even five years within either one of those guys? Well, it's more about the injury in his case, but I,
2: he's older than you think. He's okay. 35. Is he really? Yeah.
1: Wow. I and Franco Harris, what? Thirty six. How old's Hara? Uh, Harris?
0: Harris thirty three.
1: Oh my god.
0: I guess with with Montero, it's like you think of the time he was at Seattle, and then uh, when he joined, when he uh, went permanently back to Vancouver in five years later, and there's just that gap that everyone forgets about.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It was very strange. The whole thing was. All right. Well, anyway, I didn't mean to derail us. And I know we're frustrating people because we're not getting to the thing everybody wants to hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, on next week's podcast, (laughs) (laughs)
1: we'll tell you the story of why they got rid of their coach and the second team. Let's Um, let's do
2: 15 minutes of Kit Talk before we do. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Man, that purple and pink looks so kick-ass yeah, at does. Florida Battle. Man,
1: it uh does. so good. Actually, uh, just to even make it, uh, just to throw in there, I saw. So, have you seen the highlight that's been floating around of the Charlotte Columbus game?
0: Yes. Yeah. Of the magical, that magical.
1: Yeah. So, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a video of the game. Charlotte gets a ball and try. Somebody tries to chip a keeper. The Columbus keeper from what half field. The Columbus keeper catches it. Uh, plays it out. They get to half field, and there's a foul. And Zellerian lines up, and he hits it from just inside the half and chips the keeper from distance. And it is uh, pure MLS madness, and it's great. But the reason why I bring it up is that Charlotte's wearing their what are they calling that mint blue or whatever, and yeah. Col- and Columbus is wearing their yellow, and that looks great too. Yeah. So it's a very long way to get around to the point I was trying to make. Mm.
2: Uh, that was such a funny clip because that they try and ship the other keeper and then their keeper doesn't learn anything from it. Five seconds <laughs> later. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You could see it coming too. you. are Like I know what he's doing.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah. fantastic stuff. Okay. Was good. All right. So, uh, f- uh, four o'clock Sunday decisions, uh, decision day, uh, go team go. All right, here we go. Here it is as promised. I don't know how many minutes into the pod, but we're finally going to do it. We found out, uh, earlier this week, what did day did they announce it buzz was it one of those middle of the night announcements
2: oh uh what day did it come out was it god i don't remember was last Um, friday
1: was it a friday night news dump thing
2: it was on the 30th what day of the week was the 30th uh, that's a sunday it was on a sunday uh, it was even more of a yeah. sight during the cowboy game <laughs> basically.
1: Uh, she's a genius nah, it was 6 um, p.m is it,
2: uh, it 6 p.m on <laughs> on uh no september 30th was oh, i'm looking at the wrong month it was on friday i'm uh, sorry all right so it was ruined, a friday it was news a friday. dump. 6 p.m it was, on friday an, an okay. hour after the, yeah
1: like a pro. Pro just
2: yeah. Like that's that's so classic and news dump. Yes, yeah. yes.
1: So the news was is that after just one season, despite making the playoffs and all of uh Buzz's hype, Pod mm. Muduka uh has been uh I guess they claimed it was partial a uh, mutual parting of yeah. the ways. Um, yeah. but Buzz, I think based on all the noise and shenanigans that you and I and others have been hearing about for some time, this turned out not to be the uh, the deep, dark secret of the most the most yeah. uh, out-of-the-blue thing that most people probably thought it was.
2: Yeah, a lot of people were really surprised by this. And what I would say was like, well, I didn't 100% have confirmed that this was coming. I was 95% convinced that it would, and I would have been stunned if he'd have made it to next season as the coach of this team. It would have been stunning to me if he would have. The, the two things I think you have to really pay attention to are how quickly this happened, number one. And then there's a line in the thing on the website that I want to talk about here in a second. That is the number two thing. I think you really got to pay attention to. Um, there are two kinds of mutually agreed apart ways. There's the kind that Oscar <laughs> Preha had where he's like, Hey, I'm I like to Try something new. <laughs> I'm going to go do something else. And it's like, Hey, we love you. Good luck. And then there's the kind that this is, which is, we're going to fire you and we have evidence to fire you, but if you'll walk cause. away right now, we'll just call it bygones be bygones, And that's what this is, is the second of those things, that uh, type.
1: They have caught, they have cause to fire him.
2: Yeah. Or if, if you don't have legitimate identified cause, it's like, Hey, it's not working out. We're going to have to fire you, you know, and this is a competitive business and you can come up with any reason why you want to pretty much to fire somebody, you know, you, and but we're going to let you walk away rather than getting into a brawl about it because we're not bringing you back
1: well there's also there's another element to this, and I know this is not the most comfortable thing to talk about, but there is a reality of this, which is there's a big focus within professional sports to make sure that peop minorities are getting important coaching jobs right yeah. and yep. so firing people that you've hired in these positions always put ownerships in really weird situations. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes all the way to the point about how some people in managerial positions are in bad situations to uh, give those people reviews because they don't want to be seen as, you know where I'm going with I, like the whole yeah. thing's really, really uncomfortable and unfortunate.
2: Yeah. And by letting a guy walk away, everybody saves a little face on the deal and it doesn't make a big splash in the news, you hope. You know, and you don't create a big controversy, you know, you, you, but given how fast it has happened, and I think, uh, based on some things that happened, I think you'll know that he knew that it was coming, but here's the line, um, in the, in the news site, they put up the news story they put up on their website, the press release, press release. It's, you know, is it a full release? Is it a story, whatever it is, it's the same thing these days. There's all these quotes from Matt Denny, you know. By the way, I doubt that Matt Denny made this decision. Just
1: tell everybody who Matt Denny is. Matt Denny
2: is technically the general manager of North Texas Soccer Club. I no offense to Matt Denny, but he's mostly just a business manager. This North Texas Soccer Club is a fake club in the sense that it's it's FC Dallas, right? He's the general manager, like in the business of the business sense, sense. right? Like not decisions are made about he's not sporting director. He's not a technical director. Those things are all overseen by FC Dallas. This is FC Dallas. This is a decision made by ownership, technical director, you know, big top-level organizational decision. This is not Matt Denny's call, despite ha. the fact that his quote's in there. Okay. So here's the important part of the next paragraph, the meat of the thing. Second coach in club history, he compiled a 13-7-5 record in his only season and led them to the playoffs. The next line is the kicker. In addition to competing at MLS Next Pro Western Conference, North Texas Soccer Club is a critical player development tool for FC Dallas. So why is that line in there? Why did they feel it was necessary to say that? And the answer is because that comes to the heart of the problem. So let's understand first that there are two sides to all stories. With this particular coach, there are players that love this guy. There's players that love playing for him. There are players that improved under him, but at the same time, there are players that hated playing for him and players that got worse under him and having some players, but isn't give,
1: that true with any coach? It is. It is. So, so I'm what just was the that, differentiator here? Right.
2: I'll, I'll get, I'll get there. This is going to take a while. <laughs> so the difference is, is that if your job is to develop players as much or more as it is to win games, if you have guys that are stagnating and you have guys that aren't progressing, that's not good. That's not part of your part of your paradigm is to help everybody, which we'll come back to in a second. So uh, remember how fast it happened and remember that language. Now, here's the big macro level problem. Uh, Pamaduka is a old school coach. He's a in-your-face, he's a yeller, He's you remember the you guys are Dan, Peter, you will have. You remember the movie Necessary Roughness mm-hmm. when the assistant coach takes over for the head coach and he gives a speech at halftime about ripping their heads off and shitting down their necks. That kind of explosive. <laughs> that's Pomaduka. That kind of So that was Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. It, sure, like Full Metal Jacket. He's that kind of coach. Some guys respond to that and some guys don't. But here's the thing. About mid-season, I started hearing stories that he and coach Nico Estevez don't get along that they're like oil and water. And you guys have seen how coach Nico is. He is new school. He's meticulous. He's a deep dive into tactics, excessive, excessive scouting, micromanaging of game plans and other kinds of things, not a yeller, very much a, you know, positivity and level-headed kind of coach. So there's a complete disconnect between the first team and North Texas Soccer Club. And you see this in the players that are down there are pretty much down there full-time. They're down there the whole season. Bartlett mostly was down there to play, but he would occasionally come back and forth. But that's really it. You didn't see guys go down on rehab. You didn't see guys go down that were screaming and dying and begging for minutes, didn't go down Thomas Roberts, at the end of the season, finally got to go down once and then they didn't even play him. So there's a total disconnect, apparently, and I'm hearing this from multiple people across the organization and from outside the organization that the two don't get along and the clubs are disconnected and Pompadou cause basically doing his own thing. So when you come back to the language of this is a developmental team, you have to be, I'm paraphrasing now, you have to be involved with what we're doing On a collective level, you have to be on board with what we're doing on a collective level. Now, I've had coach conversations with Coach Nico about how this season he mostly concentrated on the first team, and then he'll begin expanding his control and influence out to other parts of the organization this winter. So that lays the groundwork for you. And now we can get into specifics. Um, (laughs) Some of these stories I can't tell because I'm only hearing it Secondhand, and I don't have enough first-hand evidence to tell it. So I'm only going to tell the ones I heard from like five different people and that I have direct evidence to demonstrate that the story is likely true. And I'm going to tell you these things so that we understand the kind of context surrounding this coach and why they wanted to go a different direction. So about a third of the way into this season, perhaps, maybe closer to halfway,
1: do we need to ask children to tune off to no. turn off the podcast? <laughs> no, it's
2: not that kind of bad. Okay. All right. Um, Derek Waldeck, who is captain of the team, is goes to human resources and complains about the way Ka is coaching. The the old schoolness of it. I mean, I'm not in that meeting, but the yelling, the the confrontationalism, the punishment kind of stuff. Basically, he formally complains to the organization. And after that, you can go look at the sheet. He did not play basically ever again. He went from being a guy that you could rely on as a six, as a left back. Now this season, if you remember early, you probably don't, Peter, because you don't pay enough attention to them, which is fine. But they have Isaiah Parker down there. who's getting almost all the minutes at left back as he should, because he's their new generation of Dinos player they picked. But they've struggled all year for a six. And earlier in the year, They used Waldeck there, and then all of a sudden, they quit completely. And they used Blaine Ferry. They used four or five different academy kids. They eventually had to trade for a guy. But didn't Waldeck leave the team? He did. He eventually left by mutual termination. That means he went and asked to leave. He said, please let me out of my contract. That's how bad it got, was that he, and you guys know Waldeck, he's a phenomenal leader, absolutely phenomenal piece for the organization, helped guys in the locker room, helped the club. I wanted him to be a coach so badly. And he basically walked away from the organization because of this coach. Hmm. So he, he obviously I'm, I'm just reading between the leaves on this part. He obviously lined himself up a new deal because the minute they let him go, he signed with somebody else. So they let him, the organization said, you're right. You're getting screwed. Have fun. Good luck to you. And so he left.
1: So, all right. Well, I don't want, all right. Keep going. Sorry. Okay. sorry I don't want to you,
2: know. I, I question time at the end. All right. All right story number two. Do you remember Jesus in bless. the middle of the season when Blaine Ferry vanished?
1: Yes. From the curious case playing. of yeah. <laughs> missing Blaine Ferry. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so
2: I've heard it from enough people that I'm going to say what happened was, is that Blaine Ferry was late to practice. How much he was late depends on who told me the story. So I'm not, it varied by a considerable margin. Now, admittedly, Blaine Ferry has had off-field stuff limit his development as a professional, right? It's never been his play that's been the problem. It's always been discipline of a personal nature, whether it was like he wasn't fit enough or whatever else. So he was late, and rather than just saying kangaroo court fine or you're not going to start one game, allegedly Ka kicked him out of practice for two weeks and wouldn't let him train. And then when he did come back, he was not selected for the 18 for like a month. And then yeah, because I remember, I remember
1: that there was a run of yeah. games where you kept tweeting the lineup for every game going, where in the Where's world Blaine? is Blaine Ferry? Yeah,
2: because he's, the, he was, he's arguably the best player on that team. He's definitely the best midfielder on that team by a long shot. And he wasn't even in the 18. And then he was in the 18 and not playing. They're significantly better when he played. And it came in an important part of the season. So... There's a story that goes with that, that the organization as a whole arranged for him to have a way to work up there at the complex and get prepped and be ready and be fit without going to that training. The organization saw that he was taken care of away from North Texas Soccer Club practices. And then the last story I heard um, that I am willing to talk about is with Lucas Bartlett, who admittedly, is not a great soccer player. We've talked about this, but I've he was caught, allegedly, I heard this story twice too, kicked him out of practice for a bad pass. Now I've seen <laughs> a kid get kicked out of practice for mouthing off at the coach. I've seen him get kicked out of practice for getting in a fight with a teammate. I've never seen somebody get kicked out of practice for stinking, right? Well, unless they weren't a professional player, unless they were just some random guy. But the bottom line is that you know, Bartlett's a guy that the club wants to develop in, invest time in, and see if they can get him up to an MLS standard because a lot of the pieces are amazing. It's just the hole is not there. Blaine Ferry is a guy that was good enough to go to Germany at 18. It's a guy they want to, I think, they want to invest in, and probably now he's burnt with his club and he's out of contract. Derek Waldeck, I consider it an asset to the organization, not as a player, but as a leader and maybe a potential coach, gone. So again, go back to the language of the story, that it's a critical developmental tool for FC Dallas. Why do you bother to put that line in there if that's not really important? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise that's just a nonsense filler line. Maybe it's a nonsense filler line, but knowing what I knew about this situation, I don't think that's a nonsense filler line at all. So the bottom line is that there's a total disconnect between that club and the organization. It was not working as a developmental tool coming up from the academy. There was only one or two academy players that got the, any amount of minutes and used it to progress. One of them is my guy, in Norris. So um, everybody else came and went. Nobody really... Santiago Ferreira played quite a bit. I'll give you that one. That was a good run too. you guys and say that, but it just popped into my head. So it's the disconnect. It's the problem. And the bottom line is, if one player, and I'm sure that there were others, are being talking to human resources or whatever else there's obviously a massive problem and I'm sure the organization will deny a whole lot of this and maybe he'll deny it, but I heard it so many different times from different people that I came to believe it was all good. And it was all, it was all from people that were connected enough that I know that it's legitimate, at least legitimate noise. But again, there are two sides to the thing. He did get him into the playoffs. Granted, they take it more seriously than anybody else does as an organization. There are some players that progressed, Colin Smith notably progressed quite a bit. I liked him. Parker, the way he progressed, looked pretty good. You know, obviously Kamungo and Mulatto looked pretty good in terms of the way, the way they progressed. Hope Kudzo does, but then there are a bunch of other guys that went backwards and didn't progress. And I think when you have the relationship, when you have these stories about conduct of the coach in the locker room, on the sideline, when you hear these things, you just the writing's on the wall that that's not a fit with the organization that makes any sense. And that's the bottom line: is it's he's a totally different coach than Nico. And I don't think Nico picked him. So I I imagine this is all part of it.
1: All right, now, Buzz, because you are a good and fair, just in general, human being, I I also, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think, I think it's fair to throw out there that you are uh, redacting other stories that you have heard that are far more alarming and problematic because We don't have uh, honest, journalistic, full on sources for it, but the collection of all those things individually, along with all the things that we have or you have sourced out really, really uh, help paint a picture. Again, getting back to my original point of the difficulties of being the hunts, frankly, in firing a minority that they hired less than a year ago.
2: Yeah, there's one or two stories that I've left out that I cannot believe the guy survived as long as he did, if they're true. But again, I didn't witness it and I haven't talked to anybody that actually witnessed it. So it could be someone's making it up. It could be that like, oh, that the way I heard it is not what really happened. You know, it's like you hear two sides of a story and you're like, is that really what he did? You know, again, and I'm not trying to paint uh, untrue stories, which is why some of these things I don't want to talk about them, but the ones I told are the ones that I heard multiple times from multiple people. So I feel pretty confident about it because there are people that I, that I know that have legitimate connections and understand n- know people that were in the room, you know? So it's like, there's enough smoke here. And then when you combine it with the language and you combine it with what we do witness on the sideline, we, d- we combine what we know about him as a coach and we know what Nico about as a coach and we know about the organizational philosophy all those things are why I would have been stunned that he would have come back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I just I really I really feel strongly that you can't discount the scenario in which they've hired, you know, uh, of a league that is in in a situation where it is incredibly sensitive about hiring a people have had, you know, uh, frankly, just hiring minorities for head coaching jobs and then being put in a position where you have to make a decision to fire that person less than 12 months later, that has to be the only way that happens in 2022, in my opinion, is if you've got a litany of evidence and a, and a legitimate cause for making it happen, yeah. especially in the way that they did it without trashing him and just saying, hey, we're just going to part ways, which is your original point in all this.
2: Yeah. When you look at his record in his one season, getting in the playoffs, you know, pretty good winning record. Yeah. You know,
1: it just adds to the story. Yeah.
2: There's just, there's no way they can do it if they don't have layers and layers of evidence. And they've given him clearly to me with this, how fast it was. And the fact they're just letting him out of the deal. They probably presented him with the evidence and he's like, okay, I'll just walk away. I'm not going to fight that, you know? And then they put the language in there that makes you say, okay. And you know, if you can read the tea leaves, you can Even without the stories I told, if you can read the tea leaves, you could have seen this. If you're close enough to the clubs, you could see it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think also the fact that I, to the best of my knowledge, he has said nothing about this. Uh, There was some interesting reaction in the aftermath, like if you paid attention to social media, there were kind of multiple, uh, you know, senses that maybe people knew something or had known things prior about him that were like, uh, really? Okay. Well, he has a history and things like that. And like, okay, well, we didn't know that because, you know, based on our reaction to them hiring him, this may turn out to be one of the greatest uh, milkshake ducks of all time. Just that he just turned, you know, just turned out not to be the person that we thought he was or hyped him at at the beginning.
2: Well, the weird one was when I, when I heard it from people outside the organization, when I would be talking to a coach at another club, you know, or a player personnel guy at another club, which I know a couple of people around the league, and I was <laughs> like, man, there's some there's some weird stuff going on here. That I'm like, I know, I heard, and I'll be like, wow, you heard, you heard. I was yeah. like, how did you hear? You know, so I mean, because coaches all know each other, they talk. You know, um, I think uh, you know there enough. I I had enough people reach out to me afterwards saying. You know, yes, this had to happen, that kind of thing. You know, it's clear that it was going to happen one way or another. And it's just, it's all parties have agreed it's not right. And like I said before, I I try to be impartial about these things. And there are guys that love him. And there probably are going to be organizations that love this style, this in-your-face, confrontational, old-school style. There there are guys that are going to respond to that. I don't doubt that this guy won't have any trouble getting a job somewhere because he has a pretty good record. You know, and there are guys well, that have responded. It's just okay. not or fit here.
1: All right. But considering what has been going on in not just Major League Soccer, but in NWSL in the last 24 hours, and I'm not saying that anything related to Ka is uh, uh, anything uh, of that level, but in just in terms of being overly aggressive in your coaching yeah. style, I, I do wonder if that is going to uh, create a problem for him moving forward.
2: Well, you know, if, if you're a coach that yells at people and gets on them hard and, and you know, it has that old school vibe. I mean, I'm talking like shellous, but stronger. Yeah. Um, you know, that in a modern game, that doesn't always fly anymore, you know. And, and if you're talking about coaching a professional men, which – North Texas is on the verge of being. Some of these kids are, are kids. Some of them are not. Waldeck definitely was not. Waldeck, you can see, clearly did not take that sitting down like a 15-year-old might. You know? So um, th- there are lots of things to consider here in those regards. I doubt that he'll be listing Dallas for references. <laughs> At the same time, if someone calls and says, hey, what happened? There's probably only so much that the team could even talk about because of the internal privacy of an organization, but you know, I'm sure they won't be giving it a positive review. I doubt, but, um, I think, I think there's enough, you know, even if people don't believe me, I'd like to think that I have enough of a track record that people will believe what I'm, what I'm telling you, but even if they don't, you know, read the release and look at the record and wonder to yourself what happened. And particularly if it takes them a while to get a job that might be telling perhaps, I mean, maybe he'll land them right away, but there's enough smoke here in the language, and there's enough smoke here in the 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 what, the, what happened with Waldick and what happened with Blaine Ferry. You know, th- there's some clear evidence here of these things that I'm talking about. Even if you just watch the way he conducts himself on the sideline, compare it to Nico, compare it to Lucci, compare it to whoever you want. You know, every coach is different. You can see the what he's like as a coach and how it doesn't match.
1: It's a classic read between the lines. A hundred
2: percent. Even if you don't, I mean, I have legitimate stories to back it up, but even if you don't believe those, read between the lines and you'll see it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's it's an unfortunate uh, reality. Uh, Yeah.
2: I, I was really excited when I, they hired this guy because of his track record in terms of winning coach of the year, won a championship has progressed. Some young players brought a guy here that he likes and developed. There's some guys that like playing here. It's just these weird stories started coming to me. Starting about, like I said, starting about third to halfway into this season, I started. I remember getting this, yeah, yeah. I, I told you guys about it at the time I was like, "Uh oh, remember?" I was like, "There's <laughs> some weird stuff going on here," <laughs> you know. And and uh, it kept, the stories kept getting worse and worse and worse as the season went on. And um, one of the ones at the end that was kind of weird was um, a story about Kamungo being on a minute limitation and the, and Pa just ignoring it and playing him whatever he wanted to. <laughs> You know, I was like, it's almost like he's throwing it back in their faces at this point. Like he knew it was coming. Isn't so. isn't
1: that the one that involved Thomas? Yeah,
2: it was the game Thomas didn't play. And, and the weird thing was they put Kamingo in the place Thomas would have played. And it's like, what? Just play Thomas. Like, why is he down there? Why did you take him? Yeah. If you're like, not going to play him, it's he like ended up. Whole-
1: yeah, it was like it was yeah. like uh, throwing. It was like killing two birds with one stone. Let's piss them off in two ways. Let's yeah. not play the player that should play, and we should, and play the player that shouldn't be playing. Yeah,
2: yeah. When you start bucking the organizational requests, and it comes down to and listen again, go back and look at how many players that were dying for minutes went and played. Yeah, they they sent Hernandez out on loan instead, which they did early, which is fine. But then Khalil never went down. Thomas went down once and actually got into a game. You know, go through the list of anybody else. Quinones never went down there and played. Bartlett did, but he was down for most of the year playing for the most part. So,
1: Well, Dan and I have talked a lot about this, uh, but we just want to tell you that we're really, really, really relieved that you never got that hug.
2: <laughs> I did meet him. You know, I, I was well, like, I got introduced to him. But you, know,
1: I, you know, if you'd gotten the hug, you guys would have developed this friendship, and then this would have happened, and your heart would have been broken. Uh, I don't and... think he's a hugger. And we just, yeah, well, not in that sense, no. Um, so, yeah, so I'm. it's too bad that it worked out this way. Do you have any idea who they're going to hire to replace him? Oh, no,
2: no clue. I would imagine that it'll be somebody that Nico wants. You know, there's a couple of organizational candidates. Like, if this organization likes to develop coaches, too. Michelle's been there a couple of years as the lead assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he probably would be good. Um, Alex Aldaz is my favorite academy coach. He'd be great. Um, Chewy. Who's the coach, uh, the first team coach who's responsible for progression of players from the academy to the first team? That's kind of his ballywick. He'd be probably really good. I mean, hell, Marco. I mean, there's there's internal guys around. Mm. I imagine it'll be someone that Nico wants like he has a guy on his staff who's a former academy coach that's in charge that's here basically his title. It's Thomas
1: me. Tuchel's available.
2: Thomas Tuchel's available, yeah.
1: Sam Allardyce is He's a guy that's
2: in charge of uh, um, you know scouting and film and, and and I was also assistant coach. You know that that guy is a former academy coach. That guy probably would be a good candidate. You know, Nico's probably knows people from the national team or knows people from you
1: a, know, crew a, or from a Dan. You know who's uh, available?
0: Who would that Buzz be? Buzz Carrick. Oh no, that's I true. don't have a license. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Do you know who else is available? Who? Former Luton Town. Sacramento Republic head coach and Mr. Rebecca Lowe, Paul (laughs) Button. Man, I would love to hear
1: the song that you sang in the supporters groups uh, with that name.
0: (laughs) I already lived here
1: though. Oh, okay. You didn't sing them while you watched them on iFollow?
0: We were in the conference then, so watching games were a few and far between. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I hope we didn't overhype that segment, Buzz.
0: I hope I did it fair
2: justice um you without did. crossing lines cuz that's a, that was a tough one to walk. cuz honestly, I'm telling you, I've known that there was fire here for half a season and I was I was 100% convinced in my head there's no way he's getting through this off season. I I was slightly caught off guard by how <laughs> fast it was. He didn't even make it through the rest of the week, which I'll tell you something
1: um how quickly they moved. Well, am I wrong in saying he's not commented publicly or, or posted any kind of statements? Not I haven't seen I have anything. Seen.
2: They haven't even done the roster moves
0: yet. They already got at him, so it's like
1: it's yeah. quick. Well, you know, it, 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 I'm sorry. good Dan. I
0: was going to say it probably makes sense to get out ahead of the uh, the Yates report for uh, for the NWSL deal. If you're talking about abuse in any form, and you know, yeah suddenly heads are rolling and, and people are saying, well, my kid's, uh, you know, some parent goes public and goes, my kid underwent this with, with car.' We, something needs to happen to FC Dallas and Zanata needs to go for, for burying it. And, you know, yeah. it, it can become a very messy situation as Portland have found out for being absolute disgusting assholes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't
2: want to go... As far as to paint any of it as abuse, because I'm not privy to the details of any of it. But when you well, have a player go well, to well, human resources, and you and, and so that's an environment where that has happened, and yet you still have 15, 16 year old kids in that environment too, it raises questions.
0: Let me just, just go back though. Like, like abuse takes many forms, right? It's you know we've obviously seen the the worst side, you know the the far more severe side, the uh, you know sexual abuse and everything else with the NWSL stuff, but that can also be you know, yelling at a kid in the locker room, that is psychological abuse. It just is That's let me
1: let me. I just feel to be completely fair to Mr. kaw and because we keep talking and using this word abuse and relating to the stories that are happening literally in real time with the NWL nothing that we have heard, nothing that we're intimating or referring to, has anything to do with "quote unquote" sexual abuse. This is no, all. No, no. This is all how uh, you treat people as a human being, kind of stuff. Yeah. uh There's some various levels of that, in, and that we'll avoid getting specific on, but none of it is sexual in nature. And I just no, feel. No like just to be completely fair and clear yep. I don't want I don't want anybody walking away from this podcast yep. thinking that he was doing something creepy all right so yeah. there you go
2: No that's true this is and there are just as many people players that absolutely loved playing for the guy and thought he was fantastic as there are that didn't you know there this this is a there are there are lots of people that are of an older generation that would think that you were absolutely crazy to be complaining about what the guy's doing, but the world is different now.
1: Yeah. And, and your, and your analogy about Shellis Hyman is not a, not a bad one because man, I'm telling you in all the years of being in Dallas with Shellis being here uh, through his time, both at SMU and at the uh, MLS team, it literally slices right down the middle, the people that would walk through a fire for that guy and yeah. uh, the other people that would push him into a fire uh, if they thought it would hurt him. And sometimes so.
2: the same person in the space of about three years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I can think of the way Daniel Hernandez went from walk through a wall to after. Well, that was more drop the a wall on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah but
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, well, okay. Well, thanks for uh, putting that out there, Buzz. I know everybody is, uh, uh, that's all good information. And I, yes, to answer your question, I thought you did that extremely fairly. Thanks. And professionally. So good on you. Um, all right. Anything else we need to talk about now that we've killed off an hour of curiosity?
2: Uh, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff for the off season, but we need to kind of wait for that for the off season. So
1: yeah, we gotta, you
2: know, basically we've got a big game this weekend and, um, you know the offseason started early for North Texas, but so we're down to just focusing on FC Dallas, one more game, and then a big playoff game, a home playoff game. Hopefully, that'll be exciting.
1: Okay, Dan, do you have a particular opponent you're hoping Dallas gets for the playoffs?
0: No, I was trying. I've been trying to figure this one out all, all evening. Uh, no, uh, maybe maybe Minnesota can beat Vancouver and get into uh, into position. Okay.
1: I don't have a particular choice yet. I have to think about that a lot.
0: especially wait, no. Forget, forget Minnesota. They seem to have Dallas's number. Yeah. Is there
1: somebody that, that, we, that you feel like doesn't have Dallas's number?
0: Salt Lake, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe? Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Third Degree, to podcast was brought to you by Soccer90.com. Check out all of the FIFA World Cup new arrivals, including the U.S. men's national team jerseys, tees, and scarves. In addition to U.S. gear, Soccer90 has new France, England, Brazil gear, and much more. Shop Soccer90.com today, and as listeners to the podcast, you get 20% off your purchase when you use code Third Degree at checkout. Some exclusions may apply. Well, very good. Thank you to you
1: both. Uh, Good podcasting content uh, on a Wednesday evening for Thursday broadcast or publish. Uh, Thank you, Dan.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you, Buzz.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for hosting.
1: Yes. Thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will Ooh. speak to you next week after Decision Day Sunday Ooh. on the next edition of Third Degree the Podcast.
0: Wait, where was the cat talk? Ooh. Woo. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. 25, 25 long old years, yeah Was Carey, yeah, the man, man 25 years, you better be giving this man At least $5 a month, Patreon third degree Come on, pay the man It's the only comprehensive coverage of my fucking club That I love so much, hey Come on, it's third degree. Oh, bust! Yes, give the man some other f- f- money. Hey, third degree, third degree, never care